102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with Susan Cervantes an award-winning muralist who has been a driving force of the San Francisco mural movement. She's also the founder and executive director of Presida Ice Muralists, one of the few mural centers in the country. We will be talking about her experience as an award-winning activist muralist. Thank you for joining me today, Susan. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. How many years have you been an artist? Oh, for about... 60 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And when and where did you start painting murals? Uh, well, we started painting murals, um, I think, around 1970, 71, something like that. Yeah. And uh, that was in Balmy Alley with uh, children. Um, and then I also worked with the Mujeres Muralistas, the women muralists. Um, that inspired me to continue doing murals, and uh, then I started doing murals with my own community uh, around Presida Park and uh, beyond after that. So, Was it daunting to become a muralist at the time? No, I was, well, I was a painter for 12 years before I started doing murals, but I, always, I was always painting big. I was getting the biggest canvas that I could, could make, and um, so when I saw the murals on the walls, that was really inspiring. And so I got involved with the Mujeres Muralistas, who really showed me how they work together as a, as a collaborative. And um, I thought it was really a wonderful process and um, decided to um, do a mural workshop at the Presida Valley Community Center. And uh, that was really successful. And then the the school across the street sees that one, and then they want me to do more murals at the school. And so one of my first monumental pieces was at um, the Leonard R. Flynn School. It used to be called LeConte School when I actually did the mural, but they changed the name. Um, and that was a really big project. And for me, that was in 1976 when I started that one. There weren't that many female muralists back then, though. No, mm-hmm. well, we were probably the Mujeres Muralistas was the only group of women who were doing any murals at all or had ever done any murals together and pub, uh, uh, public level. Um, so it was very special that uh, they um, existed and were getting paid to do the work. They were really amazing uh, women. And um, so it was, uh, and, and still today the Bay Area is probably has more women muralists you know, uh, active than any other part of the country. What was the inspiration, though, for the Las Mujeres Muralistas? I understand that there's an active activist element to it. Um, well, there's the um, mainly what it is is that when they started, they it was more important to them to um, do murals around family and. Um, family values um, around their culture, particularly. It was like, you know, really um, 
going back to their origins and, um, you know, as Latina women, uh, to uh, represent their culture and to represent their families. And um, so, I, you know, it's, it was more about that, and that was very different from what other muralists were being, were d- being you know, created at the time. So, um, and I think they continued that, that uh, uh, idea through all their work. Um, they, they were a group of about four or five uh, Latina women artists, and they all had different skill levels and different interests. Um, but for them to represent their, you know, where they came from, like they, the, the first mural that they did was the Las Americas, was called uh, Latina America. It was on Mission and 26th Street on the site of what was then the Mission Hiring Hall. And in the center of it was a circle with a family represented inside of it. And then all around them was all the different cultures of the Latin, of, of Latin America. You know, uh, Bolivia was represented, uh, Colombia, you know, um, uh, Venezuela. And this is where some of their their uh, you know origins are from, and Mexico, and um, and then they also had a section that was just for the families in the mission district. Um, so it was a really powerful, huge mural, and that's what inspired me, um, seeing how they also work together. Um, they come up with a theme, and then everyone contributes something to that theme, and they make a, a, a composite of everyone's ideas in respect of each other's uh, ideas and skills and knowledge and put together a composition that is unified. And I thought that that was a wonderful way of working. And when I worked with them, they respected that, you know, my contribution, my effort, my skill as a painter. And I, I, I felt that that was very important. So I do see that you bring that into your workshops when I watched the group's work. The level of collaboration is so harmonious mm-hmm. that it's almost unusual. Uh, well, this is, uh, I just think it's really important to bring uh, art into the lives of people and this is was a wonder um, community muralism is one of the best ways to do it um, you don't have to have a lot of skill um, or have had you know any art training to be a part of the process and um, I mean that's where I took it to you know because I felt that there's very little art in our lives and I felt that art was very important uh, to be in our lives, and it should be visible. And um, art can be, come in many different ways. Um, I think life is art, and art is life. So, if but when we were doing, you know, doing a collaborative mural, it was in, including everyone and their ideas, no matter what level of experience they had. I'm impressed at how you're still able to climb the scaffolding after 60 years. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Well, um, no, well, I don't have any trouble doing that. I just, I might not do it as fast as I used to, but I still get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure I can do it. Um, how many murals have you painted? Uh, per, but I've directed probably more than 250 myself. Um, uh, collaborative murals or, or individual type murals. 
Um, the the mural center, the Presidio's muralists have probably done more than 600 or 700 collectively, um, just the organization, including the ones that I did. Um, but that's that's over 44, you know, over well, 44 years since the organization was founded. Which one is the biggest? The biggest one that Presida eyes did? Well, the one, the biggest one that I've ever worked on maybe is probably the Women's Building mural or um, the one that's out on 3rd Street called Soul Journey. Uh, those are pretty big. Uh, the ones on Cesar Chavez School on the front and the back are really large. Um, the ones on Cleveland School are quite large. Um, so I've, I've done some really large monumental works um, <clears throat> over the years, but uh, those are the ones that come to the top of my mind, you know, right now. And you've done them abroad as well. Yeah, yeah, we've uh, I've done murals in China and in Russia. Uh, three three murals in Russia, and and, uh, and two mural projects in China. Were they different in the experience? I well, I I'm I'm invited. These are these are invited. Uh, so what I do is uh, teach the same community process as I do here, and that's what they want. That's what they invite me to do, um, and so that um, they experience the same, uh, you know, uh, process where everybody's included in the designing and planning of a mural. And they, uh, you know, but it's also, you know, it's about who they are. It reflects who they are and what their experiences are. So it's it's appropriate for the for where the the mural is being created. Um, and, uh, and it works, you know, they're very, very excited about it, um, and, um, want to continue to practice, especially in China. In Russia, it was pretty hard, um, you know, for the people there to continue to practice and, um, you know, because of the situation there. But, uh, you know, in China, they, I think it was embraced a lot more and they had the means to continue to practice. You had mentioned before the show that in the piece in Russia, there were details that were sort of hidden, woven in, so that it wouldn't be obvious to the eye, but there were details of symbolism that meant something to the community who was working on it. Can you talk about that? Well, yeah. Well, it was in uh, uh, the second time that I went. I was invited to do a mural on the school in Moscow. And um, they... Uh, invited me to to teach the uh, community mural process with their community of students and parents and and uh, community uh, people uh, artists that lived around the neighborhood or they that they knew and invited to work with me on the project. I was invited because I knew two uh, artists that I'd worked with previously or had gotten to know previously in Moscow, and they were associated with the school, and it's a Jewish school. So in 1997, when I went, um, the the Jewish schools, there was only, I think, five that had just reopened um, uh, as schools, um, you know, after, after the Soviet Union had fallen. So it was very new to have, uh, you know, these Jewish schools. Um, I'm not Jewish, but 
my friends were Jewish, but they had not had the opportunity to practice their um, their traditions. Um, but they were exhibiting their work in the school, and the principal of the school wanted to have murals done, but he didn't want to invite just an individual artist. Uh, so they talked about uh, inviting me to bring a, a new way of seeing you know, doing uh, monumental community art. <clears throat> so they invited me to go to Moscow to the school. Um, I took uh, Luis, my husband, with me and my two sons um, to uh, to uh, experience it and also to, you know, to be a part of the process. Um, so we worked with the students and the principal, the administration, the staff, and some of the Russian artists that were invited that my friends knew, and um, so in so because they, you know, of uh, anti-Semitism, you know, Semitism in in Russia is very sensitive to have symbols of Jewish culture uh, visible. So uh, when we did the design, uh, we were very, con- uh, you know, conscious of that, or sensitive to that. Um, so it was like these two great, big, huge, um, we had two huge walls. They were about about um, 30 feet wide and 65 or 70 feet high each. Um, and so the the community designed it so that there would be like a girl dancer and a boy dancer. So the girl dancer, um, and there would be some framework around it that, and, and, and symbols of, the Jewish culture around it, but then they wanted to have the menorah in in the mural somewhere, but they knew that that was probably one of their biggest symbols, uh, you know, that would be recognized by everyone else and would maybe draw too much attention to them. So um, when they designed the, the the dancing girl, I looked at the dress and I saw how beautiful it was, but I thought that the menorah could be um, Embedded in the in the de- in the dress, um, and uh, around her chest, you know, just looked like an like an ornament, you know, and so they thought that that would work. So we did that, we painted it, and the principal looked up at it and he says, "I can see it," <laughs> you know, and he was very happy that he could see that the menorah was in there, you know, but it was uh, somewhat, you know, hidden. You would have to look to see that symbol come through. So they couldn't really draw attention. They couldn't draw attention, no. So that was the best way they could represent their symbolism without drawing too much attention to it. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Time for a short break. We'll return more with Susan Cervantes. This portion of your program has been brought to you by generous help from The Barrel Room at 415 Sansom Street right here in San Francisco. You already know that the Barrel Room is a venue to get a finely crafted cocktail. Meanwhile, stay for dinner with an evolving menu that changes to feature a new wine region several times a year. You know they also have a fully stocked wine store that you can get a bottle to take home or get enough to fully stock your next event. What you may not know is they have a secret door that leads to a more than 100-year-old speakeasy, and inside you can have a meeting, a private gathering, just a drink, or even a quiet dinner in. 
To find out where that door is and what it leads to, you'll have to call the barrel room at 415-956-6900 or go to www.barrelroomsf.com. Keep real radio alive, people. Live, local, real radio. That's why you're here listening to KXSF, right? On 102.5 FM San Francisco. We give you more of what you want. Music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighbourhoods. Plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Keep real radio alive in San Francisco and donate now, everyone. Thank you so much. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Susan Cervantes and I were talking about her life as a muralist before the break. Susan, why is the artwork on the women's building such an important piece? I should mention that the women's building is in the Mission District of San Francisco. Well, it just shows the power of women, of female culture, women's culture, women's contributions all around the world. Um, I think it's... Uh, very important that, and it's also, you know, was a sort of a culmination of the feminist movement back in the 70s, which is still continuing, um, but it was a powerful statement. They, the uh, group of women that um, uh, purchased the women's building um, back in the 70s, and they finally, they paid for it um, uh, by, I think when we started the mural, it was, they finally paid for the whole building. And that's why they wanted to celebrate it with this mural on the building. So it was, um, uh, I think, that, and we started it in 1993 and finished it in 1994. That's 25 years ago. Um, but all the images were, um, you know, done collaboratively with seven other women. I mean, one of them being myself. Uh, seven women artists, uh, one Alicia, Miranda Bergman, Edith Boone, uh, Mira Desai, Irene Perez, and Yvonne Littleton, and myself. And um, some of us, we were aware of each other and had maybe worked with each other on previous murals together, but the Women's Building chose the seven of us to work uh, collaboratively on this project. Um, can you talk about the historical and sacred female figures that are, are painted on the building and the significance of them? Well, I think that, um, you know, the um, I think the one that uh, at the top of the building, on the two, there's two sides of the building, uh, one that faces 18th Street, that has at the very top is the um, goddess of light and creativity, um, who is uh, uh, seated... Uh, is is uh, naked uh, with uh, and is pregnant with a a, a a girl fetus 
about a six-month-old fetus inside of her belly. And she's raising her arms up and holding the light, which is where every uh, woman's potential is and our ancestors live. And so then the and then the the, the butterfly wings that are behind her uh, sort of represent the rebirth, which is also not only each of our own rebirth, but also the rebirth of, of the women's building itself at that time. And um, so that's when on the top of the uh, Lapid Street side, which faces east, is uh, Rigoberta Manchu. And she was a very important figure who had uh, a K'iche Maya woman uh, from Guatemala who uh, uh, had won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1993 uh, to, uh, on, the, on the basis that... Uh, trying to find uh, sovereignty for her people in her country. And um, so everyone in the group decided that she should be honored and represented at the very top of the building. Um, and uh, so then uh, there's others. Uh, we sort of based it on a lot of uh, goddesses as well on that side, um, which included uh, Yamaya, from uh, the African diaspora, uh, representing the moon goddess, and also the uh, Koyoshauki, which is on the right side, um, on the Lapid Street side. Uh, yeah, Koyoshauki is another moon goddess from Mexico. We also have Kuan Yin, which is from uh, China, which is a goddess of compassion. We have uh, uh, um, an African goddess that's in another portion. We have... Uh, a Dakini that is from India, um, with all these many other figures around them. Um, and on the front we have uh, young women and girls who are represented, and also a grandmother from Africa with her granddaughter, uh, you know, that she uh, has in her lap. And um, that's because Mission High School is just down the street, and we felt that, you know, the young girls from Mission High School will see themselves in the mural uh, when they go by. So those are just some of the images. It's a beautiful and unique piece, and it's high up, so you see it very clearly when you're in the mission. Yes. I was wondering if you see murals as a canvas of activism. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, they, uh, I'm, I'm sure that they all are. Um, I think any any time that you can claim a space, um, whether in and and express yourself in it, um, no matter what the images might be or what the issues might be, um, is really a, you know claiming the space for the people, and 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 that's in for culture. So. Just that act alone is 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 a is an activist or a social uh, change action. Um, you know, I mean, it could be about um, so many different issues. Um, the murals have all different kinds of um, messages, um, anywhere from just pure beauty to um, you know. Uh, Showing the struggles of the HIV virus or AIDS, to um, 
showing uh, gentrification issues or, um, you know, uh, uh, police brutality. I mean, a lot of these issues come up in the murals. And um, as well as celebrating the spirit of the culture and of the community. Do you have any favorite murals or certain messages that you have created that have meant something to you? Mm, well, they all mean something to me. and um, I mean, I see myself in all the murals that I do, but basically it's coming from the community that inspires them. Um, you know, like I said, the, the women's building or like uh, Cesar Chavez School where um, we have the whole front facade is basically around uh, sign language, uh, which is taught in the school. It's one of the only uh, hearing impaired uh, 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 programs that are in the city for the hearing impaired. And so we have the sign language out in the front uh, showing the alphabet. So, I mean, if you're in front of it, you can learn sign language right from by just standing there and looking at the mural. Um, you know, so, um, you know, or or on the back side, you know, Cesar Chavez, Si Se Puede, you know, just showing the power of, of an individual and how it's, influ- it's influenced and, uh, you know, for the for the uh, struggle, for the farm worker struggle and the rights of the farm workers and, you know, and also uh, as an educator, you know, and that, these, you know, teaching the students about, how to be responsible for themselves. That's so interesting. You recently completed a large mural for the new Chase Center in the city. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Well, that was really um, a, lot of, a lot of fun, actually. I mean, it was really super hard work because we did a mosaic mural for the Chase Center. Um, it was one of only three um, public art pieces, um, that were created for the Chase Center. Um, it's a it's a mural. It's about nine feet by forty two feet, um, and it's public. It's outside um, on the uh, what do you call it on the on the east side of the building, along the uh, along the waterfront. You can see it from there. Um, but it's uh, we were invited to participate and. We uh, agreed to to do this work, and uh, worked with the um, the curators, which was uh, um, Sports and the Arts, who were the ones that invited us. And we were on a list already with the with the Warriors uh, team to be invited. So we, um, you know, started to find out what it is that they wanted to see in the mural and. Um, and so we did two or three different versions of of, of a design of a, a mural concept that, and they finally agreed to the final one, which is what we ended up with, and it's called the Bay. And what we did is we wanted it to bridge the two sides of the Bay because the warriors were really coming from the East Bay and coming to San Francisco, and we also we were they wanted us to focus on youth, so we were focusing on youth. So we have two, uh, like a boy and a girl in the center, like doing, uh, you know, uh, a jump for the ball in the center, and they are, they were, they're done in um, painted glazed tile. We actually did the painting. We did the 
formed the uh, the clay, and um, so it was really a lot of fun to be able to do that. It's probably my one of my favorite mediums is to do painted tile and form fitted ceramic tile. Um, and then we did um, for we had the, the the Golden Gate Bridge on the left side and uh, the Bay Bridge on the other side, and so sort of to show that we're trying to bridge the the two communities. So it almost becomes like one, and they kind of merge together. And so you have, um, you know, iconic images from the San Francisco side and iconic images from the East Bay side. And then you have, like, the BART train coming almost, it looks like it's almost coming over the Bay Bridge. You have the, um, and then on the left side, we have uh, a, a lowrider car coming across the Golden Gate Bridge. And um, I think what's really cool about those two uh, elements is that they have, they have mirror for glass. In other words, the, the car is all mirror. Uh, and uh, so you can actually position yourself to look like you're in, in the car yourself, driving the car. So sort of interactive, too. So that's kind of neat. And also with the BART train, too. You can see yourself in, reflected in the BART train, too. So you become like a writer in the BART train. So it's kind of fun that way. The mirroring effect is fun, and it's almost like you're participating in the mosaic, which, is a, which I thought was a unique aspect of it. How do you decide when you're going to do a mosaic versus a, mur- a painting for a mural? Well, most of the time it's our, you know, um, the community that we're working with, they make the decision. We, we don't really make that decision ourselves. Um, it, it's probably it costs about three more times than, than a painted mural. So that doesn't come that often, although this year I've done three mosaic murals this year um but it was um uh it was their decision to uh have a mosaic mural and they wanted it to include as many different kinds of textures and surfaces as we could possibly do but the Um, way you did the tiles was different and and more labor-intensive yeah it's very labor-intensive yeah and we had a very limited time i had eight artists, um, including myself, design and plan it and actually do the production. Um, So it takes a real big team. People also, uh, only about half of us had had any kind of mosaic or painted tile experience, and we were training other artists to um, show them how this process works. So uh, every project that we do, we try to train artists um, how the process works for these different kinds of projects and different communities that we work with, um, you know, so that, you know, so we always have like a lot of artists who are trained and ready to uh, direct these projects when we get them. Are there any particular murals that's like close to your heart? Any, um, well, I guess, um, well, besides the ones that I've already mentioned, I guess I really, I, 
I have a polyfresco mural that I did that is very obscure, um, but I really like the medium. I don't market it at all, um, but it's um, the only polyfresco I know of in the city, that, and I innovated this formula for. But it's on the side of the uh, Leonard R. Flynn School on the Harrison Street side in the Mission, and it's a it's it's a small mural, but it has, and it's right in front of where the children's bus stop is, with, where they get off for school every morning. So I wanted it to be something that was like a greeting to them, and that people, you know, so I have this, you know, 11-foot-high hand, a hand, an open hand, it's sort of like, 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 hello, you know, and then in, in the center of it is uh, a spiral that trans. It goes from like wings to hands, spiraling and in showing care for each other, so that they can see that those hands are like, you know, uh, caring for each other, and that we care for the children. That's beautiful. We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters, and be back on her life as a muralist with Susan Cervantes. <laughs> Support for KXSF comes from Lady Falcon Coffee Club, an iconoclastic, only in San Francisco, coffee roastery. Born and blended by the beach in the outer sunset and female-owned and operated, look for Lady Falcon Coffee Club beans at Byright, Williams-Sonoma, Gus's, Rainbow Grocery, Good Eggs, and other fine food vendors, or at their vintage mobile coffee truck about town. Learn more by visiting their website at ladyfalconcoffeeclub.com. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio. It takes a village to keep independent radio alive and well in San Francisco. That's why KXSF 102.5 FM is looking for underwriters to support our station. If you are an individual who loves listening to local artists and bands, or you run a business that cares about cultural diversity in our city, your tax-deductible donation to San Francisco Community Radio is a great investment. To find out more about how to become an underwriter, go to www.kxsf.fm, click on Become an Underwriter, and help keep KXSF on the air through 2019. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Back to the discussion about life as a muralist with Susan Cervantes. Um, so Susan, Talking about training new muralists, uh, doing the process each time, it sounds like you do bring new people up to speed to mm -hmm. become future muralists. <clears throat> and is that through the Presita Ice Mural Center that you created with your husband 40 years ago? Yes. We, yeah, the Presita Ice Mural Muralist uh, Association was um, is a nonprofit community uh, arts uh, organization we've been uh, we founded 44 years ago and it's always been my um, uh, I guess 
policy to, you know, always be trained, because I was always trained. We, everybody here starts out as a volunteer. And um, over, over time, I trained all these people, even the original group that started out, which I think of as our founders, is about eight different artists. It was just a group of artists in the neighborhood that got together, and we started working together, and they wanted to continue to practice. So it was just always um, there for them to learn. And when, um, but I didn't have anything f- real formal in, you know, people would have to, you know, come and, and they, maybe they'd come at the beginning of a project or the middle of a project or the end of a project, and they would take them a couple of years to figure out how, how to put it all together. So I started to have workshops, which is called the Community Mural Arts Education Workshop, which artists can come, or teachers, anyone that's interested in, in the art form can come and learn how the collaborative process works. Um, so it's a two-hour workshop. People get all the basic tools, knowledge, and hands-on experience just in that two hours. And they can uh, then take that to their community and direct their own project. Um, so we, so I do have class a class for that. But that's, um, but when we do a, a project, um, we have a lead artist, and we always try to have a, an assistant um, that's in training or like we call professional training. Uh, but they would do that with a lead artist, someone that's already been trained and working with a specific community, and we put them together. And so they're training and learning how the process works from beginning to end by um, assisting a lead artist. I understand that is one of the only three community mural centers in the United States. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, pretty much that's that's it. There's the um, Chicago Public Art Group. There's the... Uh, Philadelphia Mural Arts Program. Uh, there's Groundswell in New York, Spark in L.A., and then Presidio Isis. So it's like five. Five. You know, five. It's grown from three to five. So, um, but it's, you know, uh, the Chicago and Spark and uh, are, and, and Presidio Isis are probably the oldest um, community mural arts centers or resource centers for mural art. Um, Philadelphia, and who has a great, huge program, has done hundreds and hundreds of murals in the Philadelphia area, um, are probably 20, 25 years, and Groundswell, which works predominantly with youth um, in New York, are um, relatively young as well. I think it's beautiful that anyone can come to the center and take mural art classes or training, and it sounds like there's no experience necessary. You can just walk in. You don't have to be a experienced artist. Well, that's correct. I mean, and a lot of the communities that we work with, that's that's true. It's just that um, you know they, you know, we go and in, into a community. They want their community to be involved in designing and planning a mural. We do this in schools, community centers, homeless shelters, housing projects, uh, hospitals, uh, wherever. Uh, the 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 requests come, um, and most of these people have never had any drawing or painting experience, but they really want to be a part of 
a community activity uh, that involves everybody. I mean, we just recently did one at a senior center, the 30th Street Senior Center, which is one of the most beautiful cultural centers in for seniors in the city, um, uh, for to do this big, huge mural. And, you know, probably, you know, it was designed, you know, with the lead artists with about 30 active seniors and, you know, it, and some of them had never painted or drawn before. And some of them were excited. Some of them found that they had this inside of them when they started to help do the painting. And, um, and it's transformative. So th- this process transforms a lot of people. I mean, we I didn't know that that was going to be a part of it, but, you know, you see it happen, and you see the transformation in a lot of the young people who get involved with our youth arts program, doing murals, and uh, in so many, many ways. I mean, even people that just go by and see a mural are transformed sometimes just by viewing it. But, um, yeah, so we have... People who have never painted and drawn, but by the time they get done, they feel that they can actually paint and draw and uh, are encouraged to um, uh, do more on their own. Yeah. And it's both the community and the art process that makes it so transformative for them because there's so many people there who are supporting you to make sure you succeed. Well, there's, um, well, yeah, it has to, I mean, we're responsible for uh, guiding people through the whole process and to make sure that it's a successful, pro- uh, you know, successful project for everyone. Um, and uh, that's, that's really important. It's very rewarding. Um, people are really grateful for it um, and for having that experience and especially the children and youth um, who never thought of themselves as being art, they never have the opportunity to have or access to art. So it it transforms them. Uh, and they decide to go to art school, <laughs> you know, and they never would have even thought of it before, you know. So one could get inspiration through Presida Eyes just by taking a mural tour. A mural tour, yes. We've been doing tours since 1980 when there was just a handful of murals in the mission. Uh, now we have our second location on 24th Street, which is the, the heart of the mission district. And uh, But this is where we used to bring people to see some of the murals in the early days. Now you can see more than 100 within a six-block radius. And there's probably 600 and, over 650 murals in the Mission District alone. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it started with, because when I started the organization, no one even knew what a mural was. And maybe you could only see about five murals in the district at that time. Are there any future ambitions that you would still like to fulfill? Uh, Well, I think, um, well, I've always dreamed of having a much larger institution, I mean, more space, um, more of a people's um, community art institute or something like that. But we just need more space to make that happen. Uh, We need more uh, more studios so we can um, 
practice all the different medias that you can use in monumental art. So that's one idea. <laughs> you know, um, would like to do more um, painted tile murals. I really like doing that because it preserves painting in a way that um, a, a more direct applied paint mural does not um, necessarily. But you paint on the tiles, is what you're saying? Yeah, we paint, we glaze, glaze the tiles. Yeah, we paint on the tiles and have them fired. Yeah. Because you do, you also use tiles that are already painted. If I'm yes. Right. Well, yeah, we use glazed tile for our mosaics. Okay. But we, you know, uh, painted tile is something that we create ourselves. Um, you know, where you're, we we create all the shapes in clay to fit the form that we're going to to paint and or put into the mosaic, and um, and then we we glaze it using it just like paint, just like you're painting this figure. Um, and then it's fired. And um, it's, uh, you know, so it looks more like painting. So do you do that at the studio too? Because I only remember seeing um, the painting and the already cut mosaic. Do you do the painting of the tiles and the firing there as well? Well, we've done, we have done some, well, we when we did the uh, the Bernal Heights Library mural is all painted tile, and it's also we have a bronze relief uh, on it as well. And it was the first time that those two two mediums had come together, bronze and and painted tile. Um, but it's we we did we did all the painted tile in our studio here on Twenty Fourth Street. Um, it was quite a production. Um, we and uh but very successful yeah we and we did some of that for the uh chase center we did some of that for the uh, mural um mosaic mural and painted tile mural in the 24th street mini park which is also amazing we did one we did some painted tile at the uh chinatown ymca uh the new one on sacramento street in chinatown uh, in their uh, their new swimming pool that they have in there, there's a big mosaic mural in there, and a painted tile mural in at the YMCA in Chinatown. So we've done some of that. Uh, we would love to do more of that, um, but you know, it's about space. Yeah, it's we just need more space. <laughs> I mean, in fact, when we did the Chase Center, we had to we had to um, rent a special space to just to do that large of a production. We had to re- we rented a secret studio because we couldn't let anybody know what we were doing. Um, and uh, but it, the space that we got was which was a miracle here in the Mission. It's, it was just big enough, just big enough to to do all the mosaic and to do the painted tile. What is the legacy that you would like to leave behind? Um, well, I think, um, you know, I think every, everybody uh, has the artist within them. I think that um, if you have a dream of doing anything creatively to, to pursue it and uh, 
find, you know, places where you would be uh, given opportunity and um, encouragement to do so. And just don't give up on on anything and um, just follow your dream and your heart. And that's, yeah, that's, that's a lot of it right there. Well, that's beautiful. And you have helped to make that happen through Presida Ice and through all the mosaics and murals that you have completed because I've seen quite a few young artists working on them. Mm-hmm, yes. And being inspired by them. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for joining me on Spark today. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much.